Good morning. Greet each of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here and worship with you all again. It's been, feels like it's been a little while since we were here on a Sunday morning, so it's good to be here again. This morning, I felt led to speak on a topic that, uh, I guess after I settled on it, I felt like I was maybe being a little redundant. Uh, look back, and I spoke in August, I believe it was, on the subject of prayer. And this morning I want to speak again on prayer, but maybe a slight different uh, approach. I wanted to speak about intercessory prayer. When we accept Christ as our Savior, if we're truly surrendered to Him, we're giving up self. We're giving up our own will, our own nature in many ways, our own desires. And we become a part of the body of Christ. Then as, the part, as being a part of the body of Christ, some things change in our lives. Some things change in the way we think the way we act. Because our focus must shift from me being in the center, me being what life is all about, to Christ, and to His church, to my fellow brothers and sisters being the center of my focus. My priority list changed as I surrender to Christ. In Romans 12 and also 1 Corinthians 12, we're given the illustration of the body of Christ being like, being similar to the human body. A, a living organism made up of many different parts that all function together to perform uh, whatever we're called to perform. All of our parts in the human body, if we're healthy and normal, are working together in a mutually beneficial way. And I believe those passages tell us that God has designed the church in the same way. So the ultimate purpose of the church is to bring honor and glory to God. It's really not about me and what I gain from it, but it's about God gaining honor and glory. But it's also about me as an individual and about you and about our own spiritual welfare. Because when we are doing well spiritually, when I'm being victorious in my Christian life and I'm encouraging you and, and we're all pulling together and, and, and working well in that mutually beneficial way, that is when God is honored and glorified the most. And so it's important if the church is going to fulfill its duty of honoring and glorifying God, of demonstrating Him to the world around us, 
that we are interconnected and that we're working together as we should. So just a couple verses on that. Romans 12, 5 says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. So see, we're interconnected. We're members one of another. We're not just a bunch of standalone, but we are interconnected. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. It's like if you hurt yourself, you can smash your thumb with a hammer and your whole body hurts. Your whole body favors that hurt member because we're interconnected, our, our, our members, our body parts are interconnected. They work together. Galatians 6.2, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we're, as mutually interconnected people, we're to, to support each other. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily. The idea of, of daily encouragement so that that so that we can work together so we can all be successful in our spiritual walk so how do we do that how do we how do we support one another how do we ensure that one another is functioning within the body of Christ as God would have us to. And I believe that one way we do that is through intercessory prayer. Praying for one another. Lifting each other up. Seeking God's help and God's strength for one another. Like I said, in, in, in the church, in Christ, it's not about just my relationship with the Lord. It's about my relationship with my brothers and sisters as well. And I believe that I have a responsibility and that you have a responsibility to do what you can to build up and to strengthen your brothers and sisters in the Lord here in this congregation and you can branch out to other congregations and around the world. I was blessed as I listened to the prayer request this morning. There was a lot of concerns for other people and the things they're struggling with, whether it was health or effects of war, etc. That is, that is the heart of, of, of caring for others and lifting up their needs to the Lord. So what is intercession? An intercession is a prayer or petition or entreaty in favor of another. So when we are praying to God, there's, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's three basic areas that we pray for. First of all, we can pray to God and we can praise Him for what He's done. Job was praising God this morning for the snow and the cold weather. You know, God gave us something from that was part of His creation that we can enjoy. So that's one thing we do when we pray. 
Another thing we do when we pray is we ask His favor and His blessing into our life. So David was thankful for safety on the roads. And I'm guessing that David had to travel maybe some not so perfect roads this week. And I'm guessing that David prayed that God would, would give him safety. He was, he was praying for a specific need within his own life. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but I read that into your prayer request. And the other thing we do is to entreat the Lord for blessings in the lives of others. And when we do that, we're interceding with God on their behalf. Seeking God's favor, His blessing, His, His help for whatever they may be facing or struggling with. And I think that we probably offer up intercessory prayers a lot. I do, I probably don't enough. Hence the reason that I was thinking about this and the need for intercessory prayer. Now I want to look at a couple examples from Scripture today. You can turn to Genesis 8 if you, excuse me, Genesis 18 if you would like. And just look at a couple of principles that we can see from some examples in Scripture that hopefully can be a challenge to us. We'll start Genesis 18, verse 23. And this this is the account of the visitors that came to visit Abraham. And the Lord revealed to Abraham that he was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So starting in verse 23, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do this, <clears throat> to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked, that that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? <clears throat> and the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, but I am, which I am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, now I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. We'll stop reading there. So, God had, the Lord had revealed to Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. 
because of the, of the wickedness, because of their lifestyle. And I don't know what all went through Abraham's mind. He had to think of his nephew Lot who lived there. But his mind went to the righteous. And he was concerned for their safety, for their well-being. Obviously, Abraham didn't know how many righteous might live there in Sodom. But he implored the Lord to not destroy them along with the wicked. And so we see that Abraham had a concern for the righteous, for his fellow worshipers of the true God. But what stands out to me even greater in what Abraham said, and we see it in verse 25, he says, Far be from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous and the wicked. And he goes on at the end of the verse, he says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And I believe that Abraham was concerned for God's reputation with the people looking on. I believe that Abraham was concerned that God's judgment was viewed as just and that he wasn't just wiping away the righteous along with the wicked and that people were saying, well, it's no use serving the Lord because he'll just wipe you out along with the wicked. I believe that he was concerned about how God was presented and represented to the people around him. And then we see that God was attentive to Abraham's pleas, promising that if there was as many as ten righteous people, he would just simply spare the city. And I think that shows us that God cares about what we care about. Abraham displayed a true concern for those righteous people that he thought were in that city. And God honored what he cared about. We may view situations that we look on and feel powerless to help. We may be removed from a situation by distance so we can't help. Or we don't have the resources to help. We need to remember that God is moved by our prayers and petitions for the needs of others. Another person in the Old Testament that we see interceding on the behalf of others is Moses. There's several accounts where he came to the Lord on behalf of the Israelites and pled for them. And two, two times that he did that that stand out to me. The first is in Exodus 32. I'd like to read a couple of verses there. And this is an account of the of where Aaron made the golden calf and they were worshiping it and Moses was up on the mountain with God. We'll start in verse 7 of Exodus 32. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. 
They have made them a molten calf and worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief he did bring them out and slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. And that word there in the King James, repent, is interpreted better, better relent or let go of your, your anger towards these people. We'll stop there. Uh, but he goes on to, well, let me just read the next two verses. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I will give to your seed, and they will inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he had thought to do unto his people. So again, so, so God was, was so displeased that his people had turned and had started to worship an idol, that he was ready to just wipe them off the face of the earth. And Moses pled with God not to do it. And notice in these verses what Moses' concern was. Moses had concern for God's reputation. He was concerned that if God did this, that the Egyptians were going to look and say that, well, he just God just took them out there to slay them. God told Moses, I'm going to destroy them and I'm going to make you into a great nation. And Moses had the opportunity to say, sure, let's get on with this. But, but Moses was more concerned about God's reputation than his own. And I believe that we see that Moses had two things. He had a heart for the people that he was leading, and he had a love for God that caused him to plead for mercy for the people. Another similar account in Numbers 14. Numbers 14 is where we find the account of the spies that had went into Canaan. They came back, they gave a report, and ten of them said, we can't go in. We're, 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 not, able to, we're not able to possess the land that God promised us. And this is God's response numbers 14 starting at verse 11 and the lord said unto moses how long will this people provoke me and how long would it ere would it be ere they believe me for all the signs which i have showed among them i'll smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and a mightier than they and moses said unto the lord then the egyptians shall hear it for thou broughtest them up, this people, and thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. 
for they have heard that the Lord, that thou, Lord, art among this people, and that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime, and a pillar of cloud, and a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nation, nations which have heard the fame of thee shall speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, Therefore he has slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from, from e- people from Egypt even until now, and the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. So here God had brought had wrought all these miracles, had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, had sustained them as the, in their travels through the wilderness. He had gone over in front of them in a pillar of, of cloud to show them the way a pillar of fire at night, and they got there to the promised land, and they said, no, we can't do it. They rejected what God had done for them, and God was done. God said, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to kill all of these people off. And again, Moses interceded, and he interceded because of God's reputation, because of God's honor. And the impressive thing, again, is that God listened to Moses' plea for the people. One version says that the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. God did what Moses requested him to do. So in these accounts, what I see is that God is moved by the entreaty of mortal man as we come to God, praying and interceding for the good, for the spiritual good, for the blessing of others, God's heart is moved. God tells us in Isaiah 55 that His ways are high above our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways, is what God says. So we're praying to a God that's, whose ways are above ours. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere present. Yet, He condescends to hear and answer our prayers on behalf of others. And that should give us great hope and great courage in bringing the needs of others to Him. So in the case of Moses' intercession, his pleading with God changed the course of history. If God had done what He threatened to do, I guess they would have been known as the children of Moses instead of the children of Israel. We also see that as an intercessor, we should be concerned about the the person, the need that we're praying for, 
But also, I think we have something to learn in being concerned about God's honor and His glory as those needs are met. As I said, the purpose of the church is to bring honor and glory to God. And so our prayers and our intercessions for others should be directed towards that goal. We should be praying for things that as God answers, it brings honor and glory to Him and it builds up His church. So why do we, why, why do we pray for a brother or a sister for spiritual victory? It's for their good, but yet ultimately it is to bring God honor and glory. We need to recognize that each individual's spiritual success or spiritual failure is going to have an impact upon the church. And it's going to have an impact on how people looking on see and view the church. And ultimately then it will have an effect on how people see and view God. I think that that should drive us to be more diligent and interceding for one another, lifting each other up, that we could be strong spiritually for God's honor and glory. So I had to think a little bit about how can we be more effective in interceding for one another. We're pretty good at not saying a whole lot about what our what we're struggling with without not speaking about our spiritual needs. So maybe we need to do better at sharing with each other. With going to a brother or sister and saying, I'm struggling in this area. Pray for me. Asking, ask, asking for that intercession for spiritual strength. Where we don't know of specific needs, we know the things in life that we face. And so we can be assured that other people face similar things as well. We can remember those and lift those to the Lord who need to make a commitment to Him. We can commit those to the Lord. We can, we can pray for those that are facing health issues. We can pray for young people and all of us as we face pressures coming in from the world. We can pray for older ones that they would remain faithful in their older years. We don't need to hear, necessarily hear a specific need to, to have something to pray about. Time's moving on. I had a little story I'd thought about reading, but I'll just give it in a nutshell. It was about a, a young man who was called to pastor a large church. And he felt inadequate. And after his first message, an older man came to him and he said that I'm going to help. He said, I'm afraid that as a young man in this big church, you're going to fail. And so he said, I'm going to do everything I can for you. He said, me and two other men have covenanted that we're going to lift you up in prayer. And he said that those three men, more men joined. 
and then more men joined. And it turned out that between the, the, so they had a church where they had apparently a committee of elders, and then this group of men that was meeting every week to pray for the pastor numbered over 200. And he said, it was a joy to preach because he was being lifted up in prayer. And he said something like this, that anyone can preach if they have 219 people praying for them. So pray for your leaders. The, the amount of, of effort that we as individuals put into praying for one another, praying for the needs in the community, praying for the needs of our leaders, has a direct impact on the spiritual success, the spiritual vitality of the church. And then in turn, it has a huge impact on what the community around us sees in the church. The amount of glory that God gains. Another thing that we need to, to do is not neglect to remember someone in prayer. When I know of someone that has a specific need and I start to pray for them, how easy it becomes to pray for them for a day or two or three or a week or two or three. And then other needs come in and you kind of forget about that other need. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself because this is an area I've been endeavoring to grow in. To remember and not forget those ongoing needs people that have struggles and people that are hurting that need to be lifted up in prayer to be persistent. It's said that George Mueller prayed for several men for 50 years. Several of those men were converted shortly before George passed away and several were converted shortly after. That's persistence in prayer, to pray for the same people for 50 years. That impresses me. Don't give up. Continue in lifting each other up in prayer. I'd read earlier Galatians 6.2 where it says, Bear you one another's burdens. I think if we, if we can somehow get a grasp of what it is to bear one another's burdens, to take your burden and make it mine. If I'm helping to carry your burden, if I am burdened for what you're burdened with, I'm not going to be so quick to forget to pray for your need. So as we know of needs, pick up that burden that your brother or sister carries and help them carry it. It'll help you to remember to pray. And make it your habit that a large amount of your prayer time is for others. I'd also like to encourage us in 
and praying fervently. I know from my own experience, it's easy just to mention a certain person or a certain need in my prayers. You know, God bless so-and-so. But I believe that God wants us to come to Him and entreat Him in, in a deep way to show that we care, to show our burden by how we express it to Him. In James 4.17, we're told that Elijah prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And his prayer was answered. He prayed earnestly. So how earnest, how fervent are you? How fervent am I in interceding for the needs that I know of? I know that I have a lot of room to grow in this area. And it's an area that I've been striving to, to grow in. But I do believe that the more that we practice intercessory prayer for each other, the stronger that our church will become. And the stronger that our church becomes, the more honor and glory God's going to receive. And isn't that our goal? It should be. It's not about me. It's not about you, but it's about all of us being spiritually victorious, being spiritually alive so that the body of Christ can work together in an effective way. So let's each endeavor to remember the many needs that are around us and have a concern for those needs and be very purposeful in lifting up those people, those, the needs that, that we know of to God expecting Him to answer, expecting great things to happen. It will take time and it will take diligence. But I do believe that the blessing that we'll experience personally and collectively will outweigh what it costs any of us. So God bless you as you Lift one another up to God's throne. All find His help for our individual needs.